0: What a blessing to sing when we all get to heaven. What a blessing that will be. What a joy that will be. I want to talk to you this morning about when heaven gets to us, when Jesus comes back again. And and my heart's desire is that through the uh, Spirit of God, through His Word, that we will be more inclined to be looking for God's second coming, Jesus Christ. I know I have not thought of that enough, and I want to share that with you. I believe that it will change how we deal with life right now. All of us know just through the wisdom of practical knowledge that we need to keep the end in view. And when we do that, it makes the present such a greater, greater blessing. I pray that God would help us to do that. title of what I want to say is, God wants us to watch for his second coming. I'm starting, uh, maybe even completing a theme I've tried to deal with. It's coming up a cloud. Clouds uh, are something that gets our attention so much. Looking at the clouds, whether that's a storm or whether it's uh, a clear blue sky. But Jesus is coming back, and he's coming back in a cloud. He says he is. And he says us to be watching for that coming. I wish you would turn with me to Matthew chapter 24. This is called the Olivet Discourse, Matthew 24 and 25. It deals with the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem, but it deals with something far greater, that is the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray the Lord will bless us to see. The disciples had the ultimate question of, when, Lord, will you come back again? I pray that would be our question too. Would you please stand with me and read these verses along with me or just listen as I read these verses. I'm going to read verses 29 through 31, though this whole chapter deals with Jesus' response to his coming again. Verse 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet And they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. May the Lord add his blessings to his precious word. Please be seated. Several years ago, I I guess I was actually ordained at the time. I was at the Lake Primitive Baptist Church. But I was still doing some timber work in forestry, my second life, or whatever you might call that. And so a friend of mine, Bill Green, you may, many of you know Bill, invited me to come up to Soperton, Georgia, to assist he and his family with some of their timber work. And so I, I remember going up there, and it was the day after Thanksgiving, the Friday after Thanksgiving there. And So Bill invited me to come up, and Bill is an entertaining kind of guy, you know. And so we, uh, we were there. I, th- I came by myself, of course. And Bill told me before uh, I went out in the woods, he says, Now... I wanted you to know we're going to have dinner uh, right here. Sister Marianna's wife was with him in this house. It was a house that the family used. It was kind of a cabin there on Crooked Run that his grandmother once lived in. Crooked Run Creek in Soperton, Georgia, Troutland County. And so um, he says, now I want you to come. And at 12 o'clock I'm going to have the food ready. Well, I, I didn't have a watch. I, I never have gone by the watch. Don't you know that? And so uh, I didn't have one. And if, frankly, I don't think God wants us to go by a watch. I'm talking about watching for Jesus, but, but it's not looking at your clock. It's looking at your heart, okay? Because, see, you don't, you don't pay me by the hour, do you? Neither does God, okay? What God has called us to do is work in his vineyard. he comes. You know, I remember hiring guys to work in my business and I really got discouraged when the first thing they wanted to know was how much vacation time you get. I remember one guy, a a Clemson graduate, maybe I shouldn't say that but he was, and he asked me after he'd been with me about two weeks, he called me one night and said, you know, Mr. Randy said, what do you call an eight hour day? Now, I was paying the guy by the salary, he had a company truck and all of that. He said, what do you call an eight-hour day? I said, well, I call it this. I said, if you're working on a project and you can finish it, and it might take you to 6 or 7 o'clock in the evening, I want you to finish it. But if you get through with it at 2 or 3 o'clock and you want to go fishing, hey, that's okay with me. And I never will forget, he said, well, I just want you to know, I just want to know what you call that hour day. He said, I didn't want to work anymore than I had to. See, that guy never stayed long. No wonder. I hope he's doing much better now. But in my story, and it's a true story, Bill told me, he says, you know, I know you don't have a watch with you, but he had one of these dinner bells. You ever saw a dinner bell? I mean, they're antiques, I'm sure now, but they had one there on the old farm place. And Bill says, I'm going to ring the bell when the dinner's ready. So man, I got out in the woods and, and I kept watching the sun, looking up. Now I'm talking about a spiritual application, this is what we're supposed to do. Because God has said, I got something for you that you really need. And I believe in the world today, there's a greater hungering and thirsting for God's return than ever before. And Bill said, "Now I'm going to ring the bell." And I remember listening for it while I worked. Now I didn't. I didn't sit out on the on the stump there somewhere and say, "Well, I I'm going to just wait here. He won't know it anyway." No, I was working. We need to be workers in God's way. Okay. And yet the waiting part is the purifying part of it all. I believe there's no greater purifying of, of, a, of our lives in, in a spiritual sense than in a hospital waiting room. I've been there, and many of you have, and I've been with some of you there. But there's something about waiting. But, but there's a waiting expectantly, and I remember, I remember I was getting hungry, and I was thinking, it must be close. And then that bell rang. Man, I remember dropping everything I had, headed to the place, Where I was going to die with Bill and Mary Ann and just enjoy the fellowship together. Now that's just a small glimpse, but I figured I wanted to say that because it gives me a glimpse of of telling you about looking for Jesus' coming again. And I want to say three things about it from this text and we'll visit a few more. And I want to say this, that Jesus is clear about watching for his second coming. We have been so involved in watching ourself. We take far too many selfies. Most of us are more concerned about ourself and what we're doing than Jesus coming back. What I'm here to tell you, you just as well ask God to help you get rid of it. Um, Last Thursday night, the Board of Deacons, uh, Wednesday night, had some very able men there from a, uh, a renowned financial company making uh, suggestions about how the church that, that you've been blessed to give so much would manage their finances. And somebody asked the questions, well, what if uh, Putin uh, hits a missile and the world goes to war? And the guy said, well, when Armageddon comes, all this money will mean absolutely nothing. And you know what, he was exactly right. Now that doesn't mean we need to work to try to make the best decisions, but it does mean that we don't need to be so hooked up in what we can get out of things in this life. Don't build your tree in the nest that is marked to be cut, okay? It won't last long. That tree's going to be cut, and this world is going to be cut, and Jesus is going to do it. He's going to have his holy sickle. He's going to come. He's going to refurbish and refine it and bless it in ways we never know of. So I want to say three things. God says watch for his second coming. First of all, I want us to see that we watch and worship. Watch and worship. Notice this verse 29. Notice the, 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 the chaos from nature itself. Immediately, the Bible says, after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened. Now the tribulation is dark, hard times. Trouble. Jacob's troubles. And we see that shaping up. Matthew 24 is exactly correlated with Revelation 6, which deals with opening of the sixth seal. And we have the white horse that deals with deceit and false preachers. Preachers will lie. Religion will lie. Then we see a. A horse that is red, the the war horse. There's rumors of war everywhere. Revelation 6 says it. Jesus says it here. And then there's a pale horse. Did we not have a pandemic not long ago? (laughs) And still rising up? Who knows what's coming ahead? That pale horse represents sickness throughout the world. I'm telling you, friends, Jesus is coming soon. And then we see... The black horse, that is emblematic of famine. Jesus talks about that here. They don't have all kinds of money, but no food to buy. And so we see that. We see how God loses that, but but that's the tribulation. And we are in a situation, don't you know, that we don't have the answers anymore for this world of corruption, for the sinfulness of the world for the reprobate minds that God has allowed mankind to get into. People say, you know, where's the answer? Science does not have an answer. Does not. Politics do not have an answer. Our problems are not going to be remedied by electric cars. They're not. Nor stimulus checks. No, they're not. Nor by education. It's going to take Jesus coming back and the people in our lives that we like to try to fix and love, we are so helpless. But Jesus is going to do it. He is coming. He is coming in glory. He went, he come one time already and the first advent makes it sure there must be a second one because Jesus came as a babe in Bethlehem but he's coming back riding a white stallion. He came as a little babe, but he comes back as a roaring lion. He came and was judged, but he's coming back to be the judge. Now you watch him. He's coming. I want you to know that. I want you to resonate that. Meditate on it. Ruminate on it. He's coming because he's a redeemer. And he purchased the souls of God's people that God gave him, and he is coming to get what he bought. Hear me? That is a worshipful watching. And nobody will be left behind. I don't care how many books that theme sells, it's a lie. I don't care how many movies that it makes, it's a lie. Jesus says, All that the Father gives to me shall come to me, and he that comes to me, I shall in no wise cast out. So we watch for him worshipfully, okay? Notice the tribulation. I didn't read all that verse. And the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. See, one thing that we need to see here Is the sustaining power of God over this universe. All God has to do is withdraw just for a moment His staying hand, His sustaining power on this universe, and all hell breaks loose. And that's what happens when He comes again. We need to thank God and praise Him. Turn with me to Revelation chapter one, please. What I'm trying to emphasize is we watch and worship. Now here in Revelation, which is a revelation of Jesus Christ, and I know some of you have studied Revelation, and by the way, this coming again of Jesus makes no difference what millennial view you have, okay? Whether you see it from the sky looking down or whether you're on the earth, it's still going to be the glorious event that God intended it to be. It's not going to stop that. So John's Revelation, you watch it. It's about the sovereignty of God, the whole book of Revelation. Now it gets pretty sticky. It gets to where, you know, uh, I don't understand it all. And men with great minds have kind of allegorized and, and tried to make, uh, make something out of something. And uh, my view is a literal view of God's coming back. And uh, I just go by what God says. And I want you to go by what God says. What I do know, he's coming back when he's ready, okay? And I do know this, and we need to worship watching, that before he came, it was a long time. But he said he was coming the first time, didn't he? And in Galatians 4.4, 4, he says, in the fullness of time, when it got all things lined up, when all the Roman roads were paved, think about it now, when all the peace of Rome was forced on the world, you think God's not involved in our politics? You think God doesn't know what Putin's doing or what Biden's doing or anybody else? No, no. All of it is the culmination of Jesus coming back again. Hey, when Jesus came the first time, it changed history forever. And it still is. He left an imprint upon this world that will never fade away. And then the Greek language. When Jesus came the first time, the Greek language was universal pretty much. Why is all that? So the gospel, so the disciples could go. And then there was a longing for things. People just had this unction, this yearning that something has to happen. And I believe we're about there, don't you, regarding the second coming. I'm telling you, God is lining all this stuff up. And so, so when people had a yearning. And you know people now, you know, you don't have to have an event. There's a lot of, plot today? Let's have an event. Let's have a, a big gathering somewhere. Maybe there's nothing wrong with that. But to me, it's just showing that people have a longing for something to happen. But we can't make it happen. We need to be waiting worshipfully every day for Jesus to come back again. Revelation 1, I asked you to turn there, didn't me? Here sets the worshipful context of this waiting. Verse 5, or John, verse 4, first chapter. We've been washed in his blood. I don't know about you, but I appreciate that so much given I know what kind of sinner I am. I pray that God's grace has allowed you to see your sinfulness because unless you do, you cannot see the blessedness of your salvation. But when you do, you will be looking for him to come back again. And not only that, and made us kings and priests unto God his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Now we don't have to run and sneak around and be ashamed that we're looking for Jesus to come back. No, no. He's given us kings and priesthood. And his kingdom will be how we exercise that. But I wanted you to see verse 7 in particularly from this first chapter. And the Bible says there, Behold. You see these few verses before that sets the theme of let's bow down to God. Worship him. Think of what he's done for us. But now the apostle says, behold, look at this. He cometh with clouds. Hear him? And every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him. And all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. Amen and even the blindness of the Jews, God is going to open their eyes. Zechariah 12.10 says that I will pour out my spirit of supplication, and they, he's talking about the Jews, shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and mourn as one mourneth for an only child. God can do that, and God will do that, and he's coming back to do it, and we should worship him. And thank him for it. What a blessing. What a thankful thank reason to rejoice in him. Now, I want to go back in the, further in the New Testament. So I want to go to 1 Corinthians. And I want you to go with me. And I want you to look at uh, the, ch- the 12th chapter if you got it. You can find it. I bet you can. The 11th chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. You ever thought about the Lord's Supper having anything to do with the second coming of Christ? It does. Very much so. You see, not only is the Lord's Supper given as an ordinance that we remember the past, what He's done for us, but also the future. Look at these verses with me from verse 24 of 1 Corinthians 11. The Apostle Paul is speaking and says, and when he had given thanks, talking about Jesus, he broke it and said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. Let's look back. It's what Jesus has done for us. Worship God because of that. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had sucked saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drank it in remembrance of me. Now look at verse 26. And for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Hear it? See, what happens when we're thinking and have a mindset of Jesus' second coming, it prepares us spiritually to partake of the Lord's Supper. That is the mindset we ought to have. God till you come. Look forward to your coming. So we worship or we watch worshipfully. Second, we watch and wait. While you're there and you got your Bibles chattering, let's look at Luke chapter 12. Here's what the Bible says about waiting for the Lord's second coming. I'm going to look at verse 36 first. And read a few. Here's what it says. Verse 36. Luke's gospel. The 12th chapter says this. Jesus says this through Luke. And ye yourselves like it to men that wait for their Lord. When he shall return from the wedding. That when ye cometh and knocketh they may open unto him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord when he cometh shall find watching. Verily I say unto you that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come and serve them. And if he shall come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. And this know that if the goodman of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and had not have suffered his house to be broken through. But ye therefore, be ye therefore ready also For the son of the man cometh at an hour that you think not. The servants of God are watching and they're waiting expectantly for the Lord's return. They're doing what they want God to find them doing to be pleased. God forbid that we be dealing with some kind of sin in our life. Wouldn't that be something if Jesus come back while we were sinning? You know, it could happen. I told you all this story before. It just comes to my mind now. When I was a little boy, 10 or 12 years old, my daddy taught me to drive the tractor growing up on the farm. And I still remember the first day my daddy put me on the tractor. I think I was plowing soybeans and uh, just a two-row cultivator, I think. And we had a lot of citrons out there in that field. I remember that too. And so I was plowing. And I wanted my daddy to see what I had done. And my greatest fear was that my daddy would drive by that road and see the tractor stopped. Or see me broke down or see something happen. And I remember about halfway every row I had to get off and get the cultivator, lift it up, pull the citron vines off the sweeps and put them on top of the cultivator. And I got back on that tractor just as quick as I could. Because I was thinking my daddy might come and see me doing it. And I wanted to see him see the dust. I wanted him to see me. I was, I was watching for him, but I was working. You see, I was waiting. And we need to see this expectantly in our lives. We need to be looking with joy. Brother Ricky, don't you put that sign out here It says welcome. Are you the one that does that? Thank you for doing it. I was thinking this day, we ought to be welcoming Jesus, second coming. There's a lot of people that won't. The unregenerate world, Revelation talks about them running to the rocks and praying for them to fall on them. How do you feel about Jesus coming back? What does it make you do? It ought to make you wait expectantly. It ought to say, God, welcome. You know, when I, get, when I leave, the other day I went up near Athens somewhere, and time I left home, I was, I was really coming back home. You see, Jesus has been coming all the time. He cometh. That's a present tense. He's on the way. So I remember I was com- I went up. I couldn't wait to get back home. The older I can get, the more I like it. Home, that is. I remember one time I remember calling Penny and I got up around Waynesboro. And I said, "Here I am I'm in Waynesboro." Now she didn't know the exact time I was going to get home. See, you don't know, and I don't know the exact time when Jesus is coming. But I'd be willing to say he's pretty close to Millen. She didn't know exactly where I was, but she wanted to know. I told her, I said, I'm coming. And she believed it. Now, I have had times I've told her I'd, I'd be in Glenville. I told her I'd be there in 15 minutes. She got where she didn't listen to me that much. But Jesus won't do that. He's coming in the fullness of time because just like the first advent, God is aligning all this stuff up. You don't have to worry about it. (laughs) My friends, it's happening. And we need to see that. We need to wait. We need to just stand back and watch it all because we're living in a lawless time. And it's breeding the waiting for God more profoundly. Matthew 24 talks about lawlessness, so does Revelation. It's one of the birth pangs of his second coming. People now have legislated God out of everything. And you know what? People now have their own law. You can take a guy today or a person, born a man, and if he decides he wants to be a woman, he can be a woman. Isn't that something? I mean, your own law. You just make it up yourself. But I'm going to tell you, Jesus is going to sort that out. I mean, woke is broke, okay? We're going to rejoice in God as never before because Christ is coming. And he's coming with glory. And he's coming in the clouds. Now, lastly, you know what? We need to watch and work. Watch and work. Watch and worship. Watch and wait. Watch and work. I mean, don't just go to a Wednesday. I'm going to just look for Jesus. No, you don't do that. I don't think Jesus wants to do it. I know he does Where are we at? Matthew 25. I got time, I think, to sit with that. Matthew 25 says, verse, 20, verse 1, Matthew 25. Listen to this from God's word. Jesus says, then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened to ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. We need to be watching and waiting for Jesus like he is our husband, the bride for the bridegroom. We need to be welcome. You know, I mentioned Bill Green a while ago. It makes me think again. When we were going up there, we used to go up there and hunt some too. We went up there one night, and we got up to Sopron, and I bet you it was 10 o'clock in the night. And his mom and daddy were living then, and I remember pulling up there to their house, and you know what his mama did? Uh, she gets up. Uh, And makes biscuits. Now, I'm not talking about breaking a can open now. I'm talking about rolling out buttermilk biscuits. I still remember that. Why did she do that? Because her son was there. Not because I was there, but I just happened to be the beneficiary of it. And she she had some cured ham, and we put that cured ham between them hot biscuits. Now, you wouldn't think, I mean, we don't have to have everything so fancy in this world to appreciate life. You hear me? We need to be focusing on Jesus coming back and to be able to welcome him with all of our life and all of our heart. And we do it when we work. And it says about these virgins that five were wise and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, Say, Not so. Lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And they which had to buy, they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they were ready, went with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came unto the other virgins, saying, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore. For ye know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man cometh. You know, I remember at Fort Sill, Oklahoma, having guard duty. And you don't sleep on guard duty. I mean, it was during the winter, it was cold weather. I remember walking around this area. That's what you had to do. And that's what Christians do. We are vigilant. We see the sneeziness of the world and the deceitfulness of Satan. And right now, we are more involved with satanic involvement, even in religion. I know of people that are dealing with drugs in their life that still send out devotionals, that still proclaim this, that, and the other. And they do it in the name of Jesus. And I'll tell you, we need to be wary of that. Now, I want to just close by saying, how in the world are we going to prepare for Jesus' second coming? First of all, we need to focus on being like Jesus. You know what it says, don't you, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. You don't have to turn there. Listen, though. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So we need to be thinking about Jesus, the mind of Christ. What would Jesus do? Because when he comes, you see, that is is working in our life, the spirit of God within us. Working in our own salvation. That we to be lights in this world. Secondly, and this is the hardest one, you need to prepare for suffering. Prepare for suffering. Suffering is going to get so much worse. I'm talking about worldwide. And we just seen a glimpse of it. But we can suffer when we focus that Jesus is coming back because he's going to fix it all. There's hope. Like the world is now, there's not even any light in the tunnel. Because they're not even a tunnel. Everything has been closed off. That's the blindness of humanity. But God is going to cleanse it all and open it up. And you know what? Second, thirdly, we need to to work. Whatever your calling is, you work for Jesus' sake. It doesn't matter if you dig ditches or if you do brain surgery. What you do is do it for God. Do it for Jesus' sake. I mean, that is what God has called us to do. And it helps us bless Him so much more in our lives. You know, may the Lord bless us. I know I haven't touched the surface on Jesus' second coming. But I just want you to know that Jesus is coming back. He said He would. And God, just like the first event, balances Advent, balances the second event. He's lining up everything. And the fullness of time is coming back again. And we can, we can be looking forward to that and blessing God in that. And we don't need to be so hooked on this world and getting our way because it's not going to make a whole lot of difference. What makes a difference is our adoration and glory for Jesus. He is the worthy one. May we look forward to spending eternity with Him on His rent redeemed and cleansed earth. Would you bow with me? We thank you, most precious Heavenly Father, for giving us such sweet and pure promises. May they, Lord, resonate in our lives. We believe, Lord, without a doubt, from what your word says, that you magnify your word even above your name. And if you say you're coming again, and if you say for us to watch until you get here, and to work and to worship, then, oh God, give us grace to do it. We have no reason to do nothing. We have no reason to get so bit out of shape because the world is. We need to be thankful that we're not like the world, but because only by your grace we are so. We pray, O oh Lord, that you would help us be more like Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that you've given us the grace to suffer. And as we do, we pray that we would be found faithful, never to deny you even if that means standing before a firing squad or dying in any other way. We thank you, Lord, for the eternal life that you've given us, that gives us the strength, the, the motivation to love you and to live for you who died for us. Help us, Lord, to always be busy, not busy bodies, not busy with our mouth, not warriors, but busy, O oh Lord, about your kingdom, thanking you, For every day you give us, for every opportunity you give us to serve you, to be baptized, to hear your word, to share the gospel with our family, or just love you in silence. In Jesus' name, amen.